0: Thank you for tuning in to the Scattered Abroad podcast. This is a work that is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, gospel preachers seek to scatter the seed and unite the church and the world with Christ, despite our distances and differences. Here are your hosts, Caleb Rutherford and Michael Clark.
1: Hey guys, know the episode hasn't started yet, but we wanted to stop and take a moment to talk about this month's sponsor.
2: Yeah, this month's sponsor is Kyle Publications. We're super grateful that they decided to come aboard with us and to do this this sponsorship and giveaway. And what they're giving away is an entire ladies' Bible study set called Finer Grounds. It's something that they've put together. It's extremely wonderful for all the ladies out there. And so if this is something you're interested, please uh, please, please enter into this giveaway. But before we get to how to do that, uh, Michael's going to read us a statement um, from Joe Wells, the founder of Kyle Publications.
1: Yeah, Kyle Publications. Publications. Publications is dealing with real talk, real life, and real answers. Uh, Joe and Aaron Wells are the co-founders of Kyle Publications, publishers of a wide wide range of biblically based, beneficial resources for children, teens, and adults, with the goal of equipping, edifying, and encouraging families to walk closely with God through this always-changing cultural wilderness. Joe and Aaron are also the hosts of the Hey Joe Show, one of the longest-running podcasts in our brotherhood, specifically focusing on youth, family, and culture. If real is what you're looking for, then Kyle Publications and the Hey Joe Show are must-have resources, and you can learn more about them at kylepublications.org, and by checking out the Kyle Publications Facebook page.
2: It's very simple. In order to win this giveaway, you've got to do one thing, and as always, I bet you guessed it, you've got to go to our website, go to scatteredbroad.org. Again, scroll all the way down to the website, type in your name, your email, s- subscribe to our email list, and then you'll be entered to win this month's giveaway. We're so thankful to Kyle
1: Publications for sponsoring this month's episode, and here it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Scattered Abroad, our network. This is our podcast where all of our hosts sit down together and we talk about the Bible. I'm your host, Michael Clark. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And we're really glad that you're with us today and taking some time to study with us. Now, before we get into the episode today, I want to remind you to please go and leave us a review and rate our podcasts. And you can do that on any major podcast platform. If you want to email us a review, that'd be totally fine as well. And we'd be happy to have that. And if you'd like to, we would please really would encourage you to subscribe to our content. Every day we put out content for you that is biblically based, trying to help you get to heaven. And so we're glad that you're with us today. Our theme this year is Scattered Yet United. And today's episode, we're talking about United in Expectations. And so when we talk about expectations, there's a lot that kind of happens and a lot that goes on and goes into that. But we're going to look at specific roles and specific individuals that have expectations for us and how we handle those expectations. And so we're going to start with Chase, and we're going to ask you, what should a minister expect us to do? And when we say us, we mean members. You know, obviously we're ministers at congregations, but we're still members of that church as well. So what would a minister expect members to do?
3: Well, believe it or not, actually it's quite a bit. And uh, certainly we as Christians, we expect, we expect a lot from our ministers, and we should. It's very uh, important, uh, certainly a, an important role for, for ministers in their flocks. But, but the ministers can expect a lot from members as well. And uh, the Bible certainly teaches that. Just read the New Testament. And much of the New Testament is uh, apostles, which were ministers as well, who were writing to church members, and it's really expectations of, of church members and congregations. So, I want us to run through some of the highlights of two of those such letters, and uh, it's going to be First and Second Timothy. First and Second Timothy. This is Paul's letter to a minister, and a lot of those uh, epistles contain expectations for the general membership. First Timothy one verse three: Teach no other doctrine than the doctrine of Christ. Well, Timothy was to do that, but also uh, general members should not teach any other doctrine as well. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, we need to make prayers and supplications and intercessions and give thanks for all men, kings, all in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives. And certainly that's Christian's civic duty. We are to pray for our government leaders and, and, and help and do what we can to make sure that our society is, is going the way that it should go. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, the idea being that we should always live righteously so that when we lift up our hands in prayer, we are having those, those prayers heard from God. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10 says, Women adorn themselves modestly and proper for women professing godliness. That's certainly an expectation of the membership. And that's not one that's very popular today, by the way, but we as, as preachers have the duty to preach that. 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, women are to learn in silence, not usurping authority over the men in leadership roles that God has given, has designated to them. 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's some expectations for elders and deacons, and that is that they are to be qualified with the qualifications that are listed in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and those are qualifications. They're not guidelines, they're actual qualifications. Men. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and following. We uh, should not clamor for false doctrine, which would come. And sadly, there were many who would clamor for false doctrine. They would turn away unto fables, having itching ears. Well, Christians don't do that. Uh, accept truth from your preacher. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. If your preacher's young, which all of us here uh, at Scattered Abroad at this time, we're, we're fairly young preachers, don't despise the preacher's youth. Don't hold that against him. Just because he's young doesn't mean necessarily that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, we've all been to preaching school and, and we studied for two years straight, nothing but the Bible, basically. And so, uh, don't despise him for just because uh, he's young. First Timothy five verses one and following con- conduct yourself properly with the elderly men and women, and with the young men and women. And so, treat the elderly like fathers, the the elderly uh, mo- the elderly ladies like mothers, and Treat the young men like brothers and the young ladies like sisters. And there's uh, appropriate relationships and there's inappropriate relationships. Also, uh, 1 Timothy 5 verses 3 and following, we need to help take care of of those who are downtrodden, particularly in that context, the widows. In uh, 1 Timothy 5 verses 17 and 18, again for the elders, they are to rule well. And so they need to take their job seriously. And then we move to uh, 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 and following. Servants, count your masters worthy of honor. Now, in the, the first century context, we were dealing with slavery in that particular context. And uh, the Bible was regulating that. And of course, uh, if, if the Bible was followed, then slave, slavery would be done away with. Uh, but it was regulating it because it existed, sadly, in that context. Thankfully, we, we don't have that taking place today, but we can still make application for employer and employee relationships as well, and so obey your employer, basically. And, and so that kind of touches on our everyday life uh, out in the workplace and how that reflects our, our lives as Christians. And then First uh, Timothy 6, verses uh, 6 and following, be godly, be content, don't be materialistic, and don't be a money lover, don't be money hungry. And then we move into 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13, Hold fast to the pattern of sound words. Again, hold fast fast to the truth. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2, Teach others also. Paul taught Timothy. Timothy was to teach others, and they were then to teach others as well. 2 Timothy 2, 14 and 16 as well, and also 23, Don't strive about words to no profit. Basically, don't get in a big to-do or a big argument over things that really don't matter and are not doctrinal in nature. Don't argue and don't cause a fuss, we might say. So keep the peace within the congregation. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent and study. Study to show yourself approved unto God. 2 Timothy uh, 3 verses 1 through 5, don't be involved in this long list of sins that's mentioned there. And 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, again, endure sound doctrine for the time would come when they would not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine so I think that's a good brief rundown of what a minister should expect from the everyday members of a congregation
1: and I think it's, it's critical we, we talk about that idea that you mentioned of young preachers Uh, I can't remember when it was said to me, but I had a preacher once tell me, he said, you know, a lot of times for preachers, there comes a point where you're the perfect age, you've got the perfect family, and all the, the children exactly the way they want it, and you're probably asleep when that happens, because you're just not aware of it, because there's this weird stigma that preachers have to be this old with this many children, and they need to be involved in this type of work and doing all of these things, and you can cripple a church in some ways by having that requirement. And I was fortunate to be hired at a young age at the congregation where I'm at now, and uh, they admitted there was that stigma there at the time and that they were glad that they had gotten away from that and they wouldn't look at that anymore going forward. But there are still churches out there that, who knows the impact that could be made if young people were given more of a chance. We find throughout Scripture young people making an incredible (coughs) difference and an incredible impact, and yet we kind of sometimes seem to want to make the minister have to be this old He needs to be 28 with 42 years of preaching experience is what it seems <laughs> and that's just impossible and so uh, the minister's expectations of the members are because he has a much uh, a lot of expectations for himself and uh houston you've got something you
4: want to add to that yeah just a quick remark going along with with uh, chase's question is that as preachers we don't expect any more from the members that we preach to than what we expect from ourselves, but also at the same time, we don't expect anything less than what we expect from ourselves as well. Just because we're, we're preachers doesn't mean that we have a specific role other than maybe preaching. And even some members uh, should be able or at least capable to to teach in some regard, maybe not standing in the pulpit and giving a full-length speech, but to to teach to some degree <coughs> But visitations, uh, members also, they, they need to understand the importance of, of visiting because that's not a command uh, for a preacher. The only command that we have for preachers is to preach the word and, and then everything else going along with a Christian. Uh, but Christians in general are commanded to, to, to visit and to do the other things that, that a Christian should do. Chase? One other thing real quick.
3: Uh, We don't want to put ministers on a pedestal in the sense where we're (coughs) glorifying them and and thinking that they're somehow better than everyday Christians. No, we're all Christians in this together. Some of us are just privileged to be able to to preach for a living, but we're all working together in the kingdom.
2: Christians don't need to do that, or local members don't need to do that to their local preacher, but... Preachers also don't need to do that to other preachers either. We can, have our, we can have our favorites, the ones we like to listen to more than others, but that doesn't mean that we hold them up higher on this pedestal like you're talking about. right? Yeah. And we've mentioned it before, you know, the idea of when Nathan had
1: to go before David to tell him that he was in sin. I mean, we know David to be a man after God's own heart, and he had been the one that slew Goliath, and he had slain giants and been a a good upstanding citizen of the kingdom of God until this had taken place. Not that he was perfect, but he had been a very good example, and yet Nathan had to go to someone like that and say, I need to put you in check. And sadly, along the lines of what Caleb said and what Chase said, there are people out there that are very good at playing the the kind of, the, it's almost like a politician mm. uh, as a preacher. Preachers aren't politicians. We've got enough of those in the world. We need preachers. And preachers are not expected Amen. to act in such a way to get so many people on their side that if right. something is done that is in sin, that people will look at that and go, ah, but that's not a big deal. But so many people, that's what we have going on today. And I, I love those two points that we're not on a pedestal. You know, I, I've made this statement before that, if I write a sermon, it's more than likely because I felt that I needed the reminder. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I need the reminder, the members would probably appreciate getting one too. But that's the point of preaching is to try to work together to get forward. The only reason I'm in a, a, a platform <coughs> speaking to people is I've been hired to do that. Right. There are many other ministers that could do our jobs. We're fortunate to be able to do the ones that we've got. Sure. And so we're blessed in that regard. And mm-hmm. the expectations of a minister are vast, and therefore the expectations of the members are vast because in truth, ministers are just that. They're members that have just Mm -hmm. been given a blessing to be able to stand before the church and preach to them. They have all the same expectations and requirements as anyone else. Now, As we move on to the second question for our episode today, we're going to look to Drew and ask him along the lines of what the devil's expectations are. What does he expect us to do?
5: Yeah, and that's a totally different, a total 180 from what (laughs) we were just discussing. To put it bluntly, the devil expects us to fail. Because think about how many times he's seen people do that. He's been at it a long time. And he's seen people in, in power, people rich, people poor. He's seen people all over the world throughout all the sands of time fail. So three quick thoughts here. The devil, number one, expects us to give up. Look at Job. What did he, what did he tell you know the Lord there? And you, you have that in Job 1. We have him pulling back the curtain and give us that information. You take everything away from him. You take his wealth. You take his family. He'll curse you to your face. So Satan expected Job to fail. And the second time, skin for skin, if you affect his health, he'll, he'll curse you to your, your face. So, in the, in the relationship with Job, the devil expected him to fail. What about Judas? He expected him to fail, and, and Judas did. Ultimately, he, he took his own life instead of being like Peter and making things right when he could have. But then you have Jesus. Maybe he expected him to give up, but he didn't. Matthew chapter 4. Here he comes. He's tempting him. What about the garden? And yet Jesus stayed the course, and there's our example. So uh, the devil expects us to give up. Number two, he expects us to give in. James 1, 13 through 15, we have the, the cycle, if you will, of, of how sin comes about. Every man's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. That's that vicious cycle. And so many times we give in to that, and we've got to be very careful not to and then First John two fifteen through 17. Do not love the world, the things in the world, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These things are not of God. The things are of the world. Think about how sin entered the world with Eve. Those three things were on display. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And so Satan puts this buffet, if you will, out in front of us. And says, look at all these pleasures I can give you. And so many times we're so quick to go and take it. And so Satan expects us to give up. He expects us to give in. But then third, he expects us to give him free reign in our hearts. And that's what we've got to guard against as Christians. Romans chapter 6 is a text that we we quote often, we think about often. And beginning in verse 11, he says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. And the word reign there means to sit on the throne as a supreme ruler. And we've got to be careful not to allow Satan to sit on the throne of our hearts. Who who has got to sit on the throne of our hearts? It's got to be the Lord. And so we obeyed from the heart that that precious doctrine, that pattern that was delivered unto us. We've been set free from sin. Now we've got to be the servants of righteousness. So Satan expects us to give up and give in and give him free reign, but we must resist him steadfast in the faith.
1: Yeah, and the devil wants us to just give up. I mean yeah, exactly. I'm I'm reminded of the movie where the the teacher's trying to teach the kids a very valuable life lesson he says just quit. And it's because he'd felt bogged down in life and he says just give up. There's no point in going on any further. Just just quit. There's no point in pushing forward and right. that's really what the devil wants us to do is just say following God's too hard. Yeah. I'll just do what the devil wants. And the his way seems to promise way more fun. And too many people today are more worried about fun than faith and more worried about following that pattern of enjoying life like Solomon tried than actually living life for God. My life is not mine. God gave it to me, and therefore I have to live it in such a manner. And so as we talk about God, uh, God has expectations for us, and I'd like to hear from Houston on what God expects us to do.
4: Right. Well, Solomon was a, he was a very interesting uh, person, and Drew mentioned letting the devil uh, reign in your heart. And you can imagine what a miserable—most of us have probably—in fact, there may be somebody listening right now who is currently in a state of sin, and you know what a miserable condition that that that, that, that is. And you constantly are trying to to pull out of it, and it seems like you may not be able to. Well, Solomon— like i said he was an interesting individual he he tried all sorts of different things really anything that uh that 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 you could think of he tried wine he tried women he tried wealth he tried work etc whatever it was under the sun he tried it and he said that it was all for quote uh, this isn't this is paraphrasing for educational purposes but then when we come to the conclusion of the whole matter, when we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and he keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. And when we think about the commandments of God, that that's what he expects us to do. He expects us to keep his commandments, and when we think about that, uh, there there are hundreds if not thousands of commandments written throughout the Old and New Testaments that we have to keep and it can seem like we could get very bogged down and trying to keep every single one of them. But first John 5 verse 3 John said uh, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Mm. So. God does not expect anything more of us than what we're able to handle. We're certainly capable uh, to keep his commandments, uh, to, to, to put those into a more general perspective. I like to break it down into the threefold work of the church. And and by church, I mean maybe uh, you individually or you collectively as the church. Uh, I, as a singular person, am the church, so thereby I have these expectations. But also collectively, the church has these expectations as well. The threefold work of the church, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we need to be evangelizing. We need to be benevolent, and we also need to be edifying one another, encouraging one another. So, if we are doing those three things, th- that threefold work, then we're doing everything that God expects us to. Now, of course, we have to be doing that out of out of love. We're not just doing it to to keep the commandments, but uh, we're doing it from a from a perspective of love—a love for God and a love for our fellow man. But Nowadays, we often—and this is completely important—we often emphasize evangelism as if it's the only thing that the church is lacking. It's the one thing that we absolutely need to do, when frankly, it's no more important than benevolence and edification, and we're frankly lacking in all three. The church could be doing, yes, we're doing good work, just like we're doing good evangelism work. Not every one of us are. But we could certainly do more benevolence. And I think that most churches would agree, or at least if they don't agree, then then they're blind. We need to be doing more edification. We need to be building one another up. And this is one of the reasons why I'm thankful that we're able to, to get together for the recording of these episodes. Because I'm certainly being built up by this, by being around you guys. But churches across the nation across the world they have to be doing this they have to be getting together more and yes we get together on uh... fifth sundays or third sundays or one time out of the month or maybe even two times out of the month but we could always be doing it more the church of the first century they met just about every single day
1: well, they, they did i mean that's the funny thing is you you find them daily in the temple now here's a here's a real quick sidebar as we we Try to examine that a little bit. Why the temple? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, that's where the people were. And I can tell you with certainty that if you find someone that at least has common ground on one thing, you have a much better shot at having a study with them, don't you? Right. If I can find somebody that believes that God is the God of heaven who created this whole world, I can then tell them, hey, Jesus is his son. And he died for your sins, and here's what you need to do. And so they'd go daily in the temple. We, we've had so much the last year of halted plans. You know, here it is August. And last year in August, we were supposed to have PTP, and that didn't get to happen because of the pandemic. And we've had so many things that had to be put on hold. And all of these things that have happened, and we stop and think, we have people complaining about having a second service or about having a Wednesday evening. And I told someone once when they asked me this, I said, okay, let's go back. Because they said, well, they didn't do that in the first century. I said, you know what? You're exactly right. I'd love nothing more than for us to institute the worship pattern of the first century church. And they said, really? And I said, yes. And you have my full support to talk to whoever in the leadership that you need to talk to about it. And they said, why is that? And I said, because when you study that, you're asking for us to come to worship every day. And there's the difference. We don't do that, and we really kind of wonder, why is the church not growing anymore? Is it perhaps because we don't have those daily gatherings anymore like we once did, and we have those moments where we're in the temple on a daily basis, and now we're complaining that we come back for a fourth hour on Wednesday or on a Tuesday night or whatever the case may be, depending on the congregation, and we sit there and wonder why the church seems to be struggling? Chase?
3: Yeah, That verse you're referring to, I think, is Acts 2.46. Yes. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and also, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity or singularity of heart. They spent time together. Mm -hmm. They went daily in the temple, and they went daily from house to house, spending time together. Is it so much to ask for Christians to spend time together Mm -hmm. outside of the worship setting?
1: Right. Unless people think, I understand, don't get me wrong. I do believe the pandemic was a a very big circumstance that had to cause a lot of things to to adapt and change, and churches had to learn how we could continue to do the commands that we have while keeping people safe and healthy. At the same time, once life gets back to normal, even a semblance of normal that we
2: have, what will be our excuse then? I had an individual come up to me once. We had a guest speaker come in, and he he had spoken for like, I think like 40, 45 minutes. And he came up to me and he said, you know, he said, brother, he spoke a really long time, didn't he? And he was kind of just me that he wasn't happy with it. Um, yeah. And I, him, I said, so let me ask you this. I said, that, that kind of gets, gets on you. That's kind of, you annoys you that you have to be there longer than you wanted to. I said, what do you think heaven's going to be like?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we're going to be we're there worshiping God for an eternity. Sure. And if you can't do it for, for an hour and a half on earth, what makes you think you can do it? For an eternity in heaven with your brothers and sisters where will you if you can't find the enjoyment there what, what makes you want to go there in the first place and then i want to do uh, lead, i think you alluded to this idea of how we should always be growing um as a church we should always know that there's room for improvement i, I go back to revelation chapter three uh, the church at Laodicea, how I think in some sense where he, they, they said um, there in verse 17, it says that they have, they kind of self-analyze themselves. And at the end there, it said that they have need of nothing. They feel like that they are at a great place. They don't need to continue moving on They're and, and they're stagnant. They're lukewarm. But then Jesus analyzed them. He said, you're wretched, you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind, you know, all these things. We need to make sure that there's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth and that we can always, as a church, get better.
4: So, so quickly going back to the to the edification part, it's like it's like somebody who's new to studying the Bible. You're not going to pick up this book and automatically, okay, I'm going to in one day read the entire Gospel according to, to Matthew. That's not that's that's irrational. You're not going to do that, and so don't do something which is is irrational in that okay, we decided that we're going to automatically um, every, every day of the week we're going to start meeting together, but do something that's reasonable. And today in time, we, it's hard for everybody to get together uh, at, a, at a common time. But we should be trying to do that more. That's, that's it. Continuous improvement.
1: That's right. Uh, Jameson's got our last question today. What does the world expect us to do?
6: Well, just a few thoughts. Uh, the world expects everyone to be conformed to it or molded to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of what Paul said writing by inspiration in Romans 12 verse 2. He said "He said, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and the point there is is that's what the world wants. The world wants everyone to be like it. To be molded to it. And, and as Christians our responsi- responsibility is, is do not be molded to it. Do not be like the world. So the world wants us to be like it. Uh passage we've already mentioned here in this episode, first John chapter 2 verse 15 through 17. Uh, the world expects everyone to love the things of the world. The things that are out in the world, the world expects everyone to love those things and, and care about the things that it cares about. And then first John chapter 4 verse 1, the world expects everyone to follow their religion. Uh, that passage talks about how there are many false prophets that are gone out into the world. The, the, the world wants you to listen to and care about all these false prophets and all the things that they're teaching. That's the world's religion. And as a heads up, Jesus, I think we've mentioned this in past episodes, in John chapter 15, verse 18 through 20, when we do not do what the world expects us to do, The world will hate us Mm -hmm. and Jesus said they will hate you because they first hated me so when we don't do what the world expects us to do then as Christians we don't need to be surprised when the world hates us because the world first hated Jesus
1: that's right and one other thing God would really expect us to do is get a backbone Mm. have a spine again I mean we've become so spineless in some cases and we can either let the devil walk all over us Or we can let God be our shield and protect us from the devil. And that's the whole purpose of what we try to do and try to accomplish. And the whole mindset of expectations are the idea of with much... What was the comment you made? Drew that in an episode about with much expectations, responsibility. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Make make that again for everybody, please. I think that might have been you that made that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think. It I was mean, you with what it's yeah, it's
2: expectation comes great responsibility. Or yeah, something, something. Spider Man quote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Basically, you know the whole Spider Man with great resp- with great power comes great responsibility. Right. But with expectation comes opportunity, and with opportunity, oh, that's, right. that's what it was. That's okay. what it was. Yeah. Say yeah.
5: that yeah. again. Okay, it's your ability plus opportunity equals your responsibility.
1: Yep. And that's the idea. And expectations are. Right. If you have ability, you're expected to carry that through. And God is the one that's going to provide it, and he
5: knows we can do it because he's providing it for us. That's right. We're so
1: trusting him. That's right. That's right. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking some time to be with us today for our podcast together on Scattered Abroad, the network that we have of podcasts. As always, please remember that you can find all of our social media information and email links down in our show notes, and we'd be happy to hear from you. Talk to us. Reach out to us. Uh, Let us know how you are enjoying the seasons that are going out and going on right now, and we're glad that you take some time to study God's Word on a regular basis. And that's the whole point of Scattered Abroad. Don't forget about our giveaway, our monthly sponsorship and the giveaway that we have going on this month. You can enter in to win by going to our email list on our website, scatterthebroad.org. Go all the way down to the bottom, put in your name, your email address, and you'll automatically be entered to win for this month's giveaway. We try every day to provide content for you that you can learn, you can study, and you can grow. And so, for all of us here at Scattered Abroad Network, we want to thank you, and God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.